Listen, those are the drums of liberty, and the cavalry is coming. But the Marxist revolution is here, alive and well, in 2022. Let's journey together to understand this revolution on this most important Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to this Liberty Minute. We have an important show for you today, and we have a lot of ground to cover. So let us not waste any time, and we're going to jump right into our first pull quote. Quote, the counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force, and it can no longer be dismissed or ignored for it is devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives and ambiguous in our politics, our schools, media, and entertainment. Once a most unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it is here. It is everywhere. You, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it. And it threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established, along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society, impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and the Institute of Representative Government. End of quote. And folks, that is the opening paragraph to the book American Marxism by one of the greatest writers in all of American political thought, Mark R. Levin. Again, the book is titled American Marxism by Mark Levin, or as the late great Rush Limbaugh used to call him, used to call him the great one. So our book of the day is American Marxism. It's Mark Levin's latest book. We have covered his other important works, such as Liberty and Tyranny, written just some short 12 years ago. We covered that in Liberty Minute number three with a two-part series. And in his book, Liberty and Tyranny, Levin predicted the mess we would be in today. And so here we are. Now, Just so we're sure, let's go back and understand this opening paragraph. Quote, the counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. End of quote. Think about that. There are people, American citizens, in fact, that hate the country so much that they want to radically change it. Whereas we've heard before, quote, fundamentally change America. This is radical, radical stuff, extreme stuff, in fact. They hate our country with so much venom, so much so that they want to change or alter the country. Would you say this of your spouse or of your parents for whom you were born? 
for most of us, our parents and our spouses, we love greatly and dearly. Hey, I love you so much that I want to change you fundamentally. You have been a wreck since the beginning, since you were born. That seems off. That doesn't seem right. Would you say that of your parents? Would you say that of your spouse? It's mind boggling. And so now they are conducting a counter revolution to the American revolution. What is this movement we are talking about? Let's go back to the book. Quote, the counter revolution or movement, which I speak is Marxism. I've written about Marxism at length in two earlier books, Ameritopia and Rediscovering Americanism in the Tyranny of Progressivism, and discuss it regularly on my radio and television shows. There are also untold numbers of books written about Marxism. It is not my purpose to contribute yet another long treatise to the many that exist, nor is it possible given the focus and limitations of this book. But the application and the adaption of core Marxist teachings to American society and culture, what I call American Marxism, must be addressed and confronted, lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make no mistake, the situation today is dire. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialist, social activist, community activist, etc., as most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism. They operate under a myriad, myriad newly minted organizational or identifying nomenclatures such as Black Lives Matter, BLM, or Antifa, the Squad, etc., and they claim to promote, quote, economic justice, environmental justice, racial equity, gender equity, etc. They have invented new theories like critical race theory and phrases and terminologies like linked to or fit into a Marxist construct. Moreover, they claim the dominant culture and capitalist, capitalist system are unjust and inequitable, racist, sexist, colonialist and imperialist, materialistic and destructive of the environment. Of course, the purpose is to tear down and tear apart the nation for a thousand reasons in a thousand different ways, thereby dispiriting and demoralizing the public, undermining the citizenry's confidence in the nation's institutions, traditions, and customs, creating one calamity after another, weakening the nation from within and ultimately destroying what we know as American republicanism and capitalism, end of quote. We have discussed critical race theory on this podcast before. Check out Liberty Minute number eight, where we do a deep dive into it. We have discussed the dire state of American education and its situation, which has adopted these progressive models of education in the form of indoctrination. Check out Liberty Minute number 14 in that two-part series because we thought it was so important we did the two-part series. And today, the the situation is in fact dire. The situation is bleak. But perhaps the American people are waking up 
after two years of this counter-revolution to the American Revolution, it is failing, and it is failing big time. Everywhere you look, Americans are waking up saying this stuff is garbage. It is rubbish. So let us ask this question. Who are these American Marxists? Going back to the book. Quote, whatever their labels and self-descriptions, the essential characteristics of their beliefs, statements, and policies exhibit core Marxist dogma. Moreover, they occupy our colleges and universities, newsrooms and social media, boardrooms and entertainment, and their ideas are prominent within the Democratic Party, the Oval Office, and the halls of Congress. Their influence is seen and felt among the most witting as well as the most unsuspecting, and in news reporting, movies, television shows, and commercials, publishing, and sports, as well as teacher training and classroom curriculum throughout Americans, America's public school system. They use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance, silencing contrary voices through repressive tactics, such as cancel culture, cancel culture, which destroys reputations and careers, censoring and banning most patriotic and contrary viewpoints on social media, even including former President Donald Trump, and attacking academic freedom and intellectual interchange in higher education. Indeed, they take aim at all aspects of the culture. Historical monuments, including memorials to Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, abolitionist uh, Frederick Douglass, and the 54th Massachusetts Black Union Regiment. Mark Twain, William Shakespeare, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, Disney cartoons ad infinitum. Pronouns are banned and replaced with nondescript words so as not to offend 58 flavors of gender identification. Past social media posts are scrutinized for early indications of insufficient fealty to the present-day Marxist hegemony. Journalism and editorial pages are sanitized of non-believers. End of quote. But wait, wait, don't you say? Isn't it true that Karl Marx heavily influenced socialism and communism around the world? Surely there is somewhere in the world where this political thought has been good for the people. Surely. And that's a great question. Mark Levin, the great one. What's your answer? Going back to the book. Quote, and yet historical and present day experience shows that Marxism and its supposed workers paradise are responsible for the death of tens of millions of human beings in the impoverishment and enslavement over of over a billion more. Indeed, Marx was wrong about almost everything. The Industrial Revolution created a vast middle class unmatched at any time in world history, as opposed to an army of angry proletariat revolutionaries hell-bent on overthrowing the capitalist system. And despite the Marxist class warfare rhetoric of the Democratic Party politicians and their surrogates with technological and other advances, capitalism has created unimaginable and unparalleled wealth for more people in all walks of life than any other economic system. End of quote. Okay, but wait, 
wait, you said that there this workers' paradise is responsible for the death of tens of millions of human beings? Yes, we did. In fact, here's a list of the wreckage in Marx's wake. According to the Black Book of Communism, China has killed over 65 million people under Mao and continuing on to today. 20 million have been killed in Soviet in the Soviet Union under Lenin and Stalin and all their other dictators. 2 million in Pol Pot's Cambodia. 2 million in North Korea and continuing to this day. 1.7 million in Ethiopia. 1.5 million in Afghanistan. 1 million in the Eastern Bloc before the Iron Curtain fell. 1 million in Vietnam. 150,000 in Latin America. And so in a rough conservative estimate, some 94 million people died under communism and its sister socialism. Now you might say, boy, that's a lot of people. And then you would have to ask yourself this question. Well, did Karl Marx and his political theory get anything right? No. In fact, nothing. We will uncover more of Marx's political thought in detail and how destructive and completely wrong it's been for the last 125 years since it has been tried in a later Liberty Minute. In fact, we will cover Marx fully with his writings. Because if we insist and further, if we try to help every human being to flourish in his or her life, if our whole podcast, its main mission is to help the betterment of society and humanity to see that they are capable of human flourishing with great ideas from the great thinkers, from the great books. There is one thinker, Karl Marx, who is the anti-flourishing thinker and a philosopher, the counter witness to everything we are for here at this podcast and in this Liberty Minute. His book, The Communist Manifesto, is the equivalent of fentanyl. Everywhere it is tried, it's destructive. Everyone who touches it dies. Now, surely the devil's advocate in you would eject again and say, surely Marx got something right in his writings. And in fact, he did not. Let's go back to the book. Quote, Marx's insistence that labor alone creates value is also incorrect. If that were the case, the third world would not be the third world. It would be flourishing. Longer workdays do not ensure wealth creation or growth. Of course, labor is a very important part of the economic value and production. But without capital investment, entrepreneurship, and sensible risk-taking, wise management, etc., businesses would fail, as many do. As any businessman will tell you, there are many decisions that go into running a successful enterprise. Furthermore, all labor is not alike. That is, there's different specialties, backgrounds, approaches, both within the workforce and applicable to certain businesses that make references to the proletariat nonsensical. In addition, labor alone does not determine the value of a product or service. Obviously, it contributes to it. However, consumers play 
the major role. They create the demand. And depending on the demand, business and labor provides the supply. In other words, capitalism craters, caters rather. Capitalism caters to the desires and needs of the masses. Also, profit does not create wor worker exploitation, as Marx insisted. In fact, it's on the contrary. It makes possible increased worker pay, benefits, security, and job opportunities. Nor was America's early economic success built on imperialism or colonialism. The very resources America, the very resources America is falsely accused of plundering from other countries have not in and of themselves made those countries wealthy, even though they are the repository of those resources. American know-how and ingenuity born of freedom and capitalism are the source of societal and economic development and advancement. End of quote. Wow. You might say, well then, gosh, how do people fall for this line of thinking? This political philosophy. I mean, what then is the grand appeal of Marxism? And now you would be asking the right questions. The root and branch of all this evil foisted on the American public in 2022 is directly linked in some way to Marxism. Remember St. Augustine's perceptive words and phrase about the nature of evil in his confessions, his autobiography of sorts, when he said evil is the absence of some good. So when you have the absence of some good, things get twisted, things get out of sorts. Mindsets and philosophies get out of order. Virtues become values. The right order of thinking becomes unordered. It becomes chaos. Don't we see chaos in our streets everywhere? Don't we see the people conducting crimes given better outcomes than the actual victim of those crimes? That thinking is upside down. The right order of things is breaking down. So again, what is this grand appeal of Marxism? Let's go back to the book. Quote, American Marxism has adapted the language and allure of utopianism, which I wrote about at length in my book, Ameritopia. It is tyranny disguised as desirable, workable, and even paradisical governing ideology. There are unlimited utopian constructs for the mind is capable of infinite fantasies but there are common themes the fantasies take the form of grand social plans or experiments the impracticality of an impossibility of which in some small ways and large leads to the individual's subjugation indeed the economic and cultural agenda driven by president joe biden and the democratic party provide ample Examples of this ideology and behavior at work. They include massive deficit spending, check, confiscatory taxation, check, the regulation of all things large and small, drenched in Marxist class warfare propaganda, check, check, and a slew of executive orders claiming to end numerous historical and cultural injustices, check. So too does their demand for absolute one-party control over the body politic, 
through various extra constitutional schemes and other means. As Marxism does not tolerate the competition of ideas or political parties. Check. These efforts include changing the voting system to ensure Democratic Party control for decades, which has at its purpose the eradication of the Republican Party and political competition, attempting to an eliminate the Senate filibuster rule so all manner of laws can be imposed on the country without effective deliberation or challenge. Threatening to breach separation of powers and judicial independence by plotting to pack the Supreme Court with, with like-minded ideologues. We talked about this in a previous Liberty Minute. Planning to add Democratic seats to the Senate to ensure its control over that body. Trying to make Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia states. Using tens of billions of taxpayer funds to subsidize and strengthen core parts of the Democratic Party base, such as unions and political activists. Facilitating massive illegal immigration. Let's look to our southern border. Over five and a half million people have come across that border illegally. And that's not counting the known getaways. Back to the book, the purpose of which is to, among other things, alter the nation's demographics and eventually add significantly to the the pro-Democratic Party voting base. These actions and designs, among others, are evidence, evidence of an autocratic, power-hungry, ideological movement that rejects political and traditional comedy and seeks to permanently crush its opposition and emerge as the sole political and governmental power, end of quote. Now, you might say, hey, this is the Democratic Party is the party of JFK. It's the party of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. These people are sensible people. These people represent the blue-collar working folks, no? Folks, that party is long, long gone. Here's the truth, quote, going back to the book, the Democratic Party seeks to empower itself by breaching constitutional firewalls, skirting, if not eradicating rules, traditions and customs, adopting Marx's language of class warfare and aligning with certain avowed Marxist groups and ideological causes, among other things. Moreover, it is using the instrumentalities of government for its political empowerment and purposes. The truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. The allegiance to the party is more important than fidelity to the country. It holds these characteristics in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. End of quote. Now let's stop here for a quick second. Didn't we see all of this for the last two years? The economy in January of 2021 had very little inflation. It was coming back strong after the COVID shutdowns. It was a V-shaped recovery. Growth was above 5% and getting stronger. There was no need for massive, massive government spending in 2021 and 2022. But getting back to what we just heard, quote, the truth is that the interest of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. Another point, gas was at $2 a gallon in 2021. 
we, in fact, were a net exporter of oil to the rest of the world. Joe Biden didn't have to touch a thing. He could have kept increasing our technology in this area. But no, again, the truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. So this is a radical, radical, extreme party who believes in all this climate change crap, which has been debunked for the last 20 years over and over again to capture the minds of the American people. And so Joe Biden and his radical, radical cronies in the party passed the Green New Deal legislation in 2021. They stopped all oil leases, stopped all production of domestic oil in the United States. And now we have $5 a gallon gas. And he's selling off the Strategic Petroleum Reserve all the time, which is disgusting. These people are utter, utter radicals, extreme radicals. They shut down your churches. They shut down your schools. They lied to you about COVID. They lied to you about vaccines. These people are all about power. They have a deep, deep lust for power. Let's go back to the book to keep going. Quote, Marxism is especially alluring to and actively supported by individuals who find Marxism's oppressor-oppressed class warfare construct appealing for several reasons. First, the fact is people want to belong to groups, including ethnic, racial, religious, and economic groups. People find identity, commonality, and purpose, and even self-worth with such attachments. Indeed, I believe this is the most potent of Marx's paradigms because he exploits this instinctively human and psychological emotional appeal to create passionate and even fanatical adherence and revolutionaries. This is another characteristic of American Marxism in the Democratic Party, which brings me to my second point. Within this class warfare construct, Marxism's adherents and would-be followers are encouraged to view themselves and the groups with which they identify as the oppressed, that is, the victims. Their oppressors are found in the existing society, culture, and economic system from which the oppressed must liberate themselves and their fellow travelers, meaning those victims who identify with or are also members of the same group. This is the primary reason why Marxism stresses classism over individualism. The individual is dehumanized and is nothing unless he identifies with a group, the oppressed and victimized group. And the individuals who make up opposing or non-conforming groups are collectively dehumanized, condemned, and loathed as the enemy. Again, this is a trait of American Marxism and the Democratic Party. End of quote. The individual is dehumanized. They are nothing if they are not part of the group. They need to be the cog in the wheel. This is contrary to everything that is the greatness and dignity of every human being. We are all unique. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. This notion of stressing classism over individualism and putting people into group after group after group is demonic. Let's call it what it is. It is a lie. 
It is a lie from the pit of hell. Plain and simple. Let me repeat this. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And it shows. As we have talked about, everywhere Marxism is tried, it is utterly destructive. So what can we do? Is it too late? Well, frankly, I'm not sure. Let's close with our last quote from the book. Quote, American Marxism has made great progress towards instituting its goals over the last several years. If it is to be defeated as it must, albeit a daunting and complex mission, its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. The urgency of the moment must be realized, and the emergence of a unified patriotic front of previously docile, divergent, and or disputous society, cultural, and political factions and forces which have in common their belief that America is worth defending must, must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. We must rise to the challenge as our founding fathers did when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. Admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nevertheless, I fervently believe America, as we know it, will be forever lost if we do not prevail. End of quote. And so in today's Liberty Minute, let us understand the grave grave danger we are in and remember two quotes from our two greatest presidents Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan Lincoln said at his young men's lyceum address in Springfield Illinois in 1838 he said this quote at what point then is the approach of danger to be expected I answer if it ever reaches us it must spring up among us it cannot come from abroad End of quote. Quite observant for a young man at the time. Lincoln, I think, was 28 years old when he gave this speech. And in one of the better biographies about Lincoln titled A. Lincoln by Ronald White Jr., which I picked up at the Lincoln Presidential Library in Springfield, Illinois, this past summer, a place that I would encourage all of you, all of you patriots to go and learn about our greatest president. Ronald White writes this about the ending of this quotation. He writes in the words that would be remembered long, long after the speech was given. Lincoln said, quote, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. End of quote. We must be ourselves, be its author and finisher, so our destruction will come from within. Interesting. Ponder that for a moment and reflect on Lincoln's words. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. 
And then now let us close from one of our greatest presidents, President Ronald Reagan, and his famous words. Quote, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend out our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. End of quote. Let's vote in overwhelming numbers this Tuesday to save our republic from this Marxist counter-revolution, which is all around us, and let us preserve this republic and pass it on to our children in better shape than we found it. It will take some work to repair, but we are up to the task. Let's begin this Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes, and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.